was a gambling man, which luckily since you were have reformed, you no longer are. If I was a gambling man, I would have put a prediction on how this episode would go down. Right. Similarly to how Dune went down? Exactly. Marshall and I will have our mouths just dropping open, and you say what an absolute cluster bag of a movie this was, and it was awful, and Oscar Isaac was the worst part of it. Right. And it could have used more Zendaya. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> That's fair. Welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. Yeah, hello and welcome. I am Peter, that is Brady, and guesting us today, uh, friend of the show, Marshall, as we review the second installment of Lord of the Rings. Hello, Marshall. Hello. What's up, my homie? Oh, you know, just surviving. Ready to re- review one of the most iconic pieces of a trilogy. One of well, a piece of one of the most iconic trilogies of all time is, I guess, I should say. I hear that that's to be determined. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, I believe Sir Peter mm-hmm. has uh, some trivia. I've got one qu- one question for us, and I will give some tidbits before I do so. All right. Of interest to Brady, mm-hmm. Kate Winslet was apparently offered the role of Eowyn. From the Titanic carryover. Okay, hang on. Let me picture this. Mm-hmm. Of Eowyn. Yeah. I can imagine it, I, but I, I don't think it would feel right. She'd feel too well-known. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think that's what I was about I to... Yeah, like, yeah. I think she would have done a great job, mm-hmm. um, but I sort of like the fact that I have no idea who the hell this other girl is. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the ambiguity of, like, who these people are not yeah. being known is... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of note, and I'm making this up completely. Uh, if Kate Winslet had got that role, then Leonardo DiCaprio would have been Faramir. More than likely, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep was edited down from 20 hours of usable footage. And I'm here to say I would pay for a ticket to watch all 20 of those hours. 20 hours? Seriously? Okay, okay wait, maybe, wait, wait, maybe, wait. T- maybe, maybe four hours. Four hours. You would watch a four hour battle of Helm's Deep? Have you listened to that soundtrack? Yeah. Sure would. Yeah, but at what point would you just be like, like how... See, the thing about the Helm's Deep fight is it's it's good because there's so much variety in it and there's a lot of sure. like crazy, like riding shields downstairs and, and doing all kinds of that. Like at what point when Legolas and Gimli are both at 487, <laughs> are you like, okay, that's... That's enough. Now you're just fighting. Like, there's no... <laughs> it's true. It's the I, trick shots that make it... Yeah. I guess I won't put a number on it, but I'd be intrigued to see an extended battle scene. Uh, the last thing, before I give the question, this is just filmmaking. You gotta be bold. And you gotta be comfortable with asking uncomfortable things. Yeah. But the whole sequence in Helm's Deep where there's the battle with the one-eyed warrior who turns to the camera revealing like the scar of where his eye would have used would have been before was like an actual person who on, was on set doing some other extra missing part. an eye missing an eye with a real eye patch and peter jackson like politely like asked what was under the eye patch and like asked another question and another question to the point of like finally asking like hey would you be willing to like 
turn and like have your eye socket revealed on camera to the point where the guy wow. was at first no and then peter jackson like warmed him up and warmed him up finally to the point of saying yeah i'll agree to do this which again like that <laughs> i read that and it makes me uncomfortable seems Just, a like, little manipulative it seems a little gray area of like what is appropriate for film and like getting a certain moment captured but have you guys have either of you guys ever had a yeast infection <laughs> i don't think so okay why oh you just said like you have to be able to ask the uncomfortable questions <laughs> i was just testing it out you said <laughs> i was so confused yeah i was just giving it a go if i'm gonna be ready for battle <laughs> you gotta do it yeah true. all right here's the question you gotta be ready for the uncomfortable not answer Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but you're, so you're, like, you you must be used to that because you're co-host with Pete. Exactly. Yeah. I honestly thought you were rounding out, and like somehow an eye socket was going to come up with a yeast infection. Like I, I was just of, like waiting for this connection, and now of all people, Marshall, you are well aware of the number of times I say something incredibly <laughs> hilarious. However, it pushes the envelope just a little bit too much, and uh, and it's met with. <laughs> Maybe some nervous laughter, sometimes no laughter at all. And then, and some then he sort of clarification for the audience. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's like, by the way, yeah, and all of a sudden there's a disclaimer. He's I don't like, do cocaine. Yeah, by the way, we don't actually snort orphan tears. And we're like, okay, like, yeah, obviously not. Oh, one more thing. The third <laughs> sequel at the time to be nominated for Best Picture. So The Godfather 2 and 3 mm. had done it at the time, then Two Towers did it. And then of note, Toy Story 3 did it a few years later. Hmm. So, Where's the I, question in here? No, that wasn't the question. Okay. I'm just not, saying this film is in... Terminator 2 or Alien 2, eh? <laughs> no. This film is in rare territory being a sequel nominated for Best Picture. But my question. The sound of the fell beasts which are in this film, that the ring wraiths ride, ah, is man. actually the noise of what? A seal... A donkey, a bald eagle. Hmm. I wish I could hear them right now. Um, I can hear it. I can hear it. I think it's a donkey. I want to say all of the above. Oh. <laughs> I I'll go with seal. If it is all of the above, then then I reject your question. <laughs> right, because I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it is a donkey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at me. Mm. Look at me. Yeah, Brady's for Tra- tracking for a queen sweep. Yeah, you don't know this yet, Marshall, but Mar- Brady has been cleaning up quite a bit with the trivia questions, and all the guests are not getting any. Well, if you only give Rigged. them one question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Let's let's do some initial impressions. And Marshall, you're the guest. You lead us off. What in you know sixty or ninety seconds ish? What what are your initial impressions of this, the second Lord of the Rings film? Hmm. Well, um, this is the first time that I've watched the Two Towers on its own. I've always oh. watched it in sequence, and I figured I'd try to watch it without the emotional context of the previous oh, film. That's um, very interesting. And uh, my initial thoughts are this film has aged very well. Um, the things that yes. I'm 
most impressed with in its aging because it's 20 friggin' years old. Which is, is depressing as a side note. Yeah. Wow. CGI Gollum still holds up so well for me. Yep. And, like, you know, Lord of the Rings got huge bonus features added to their extended edition every mm-hmm. edition they've ever released about all of mm-hmm. the miniatures the sets the <laughs> costuming the the makeup and i think that holds up without exception and i think mm. it's because they put so much time and effort into it so sure. i think for that it it just it's never not going to look good and then hmm. a set someday maybe CGI Gollum will will look back on it and be like, gosh, he doesn't <laughs> look like a real creature. But for me, I I think he he's uh, hmm. he holds up right now. Hmm. Interesting. Do you want to go or shall I? I can go. Um, I listen. I I think I agree for the most part. Um, I think when I watched the two towers last, I felt like there was the odd moment where Gollum seemed a little janky now, just mm. in comparison with, with some of the other stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you compare it even to like other Andy Circus stuff, like if you compare him to like Caesar from, mm-hmm. from planet of the apes, sure. and stuff. I did notice a couple of moments, especially with his fingers, but yeah, overall, yeah. overall, mm-hmm. um, this was, so when I was uh, when I was young, when these films were coming out, mm. I for the longest time I didn't own the third one. Oh, um, I had I had Fellowship of the Ring on VHS. I had the Two Towers on DVD. <laughs> nice. I think extended edition. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very broken collection mm. we had here. Piecemeal um, together. Yeah, someone yeah. gave for like Christmas or something. I got Two Towers the extended edition. Um, so, so I was by a young age. I was pretty fatigued with this movie because it was one of the only two I had. Mm. It was the one that I had that was on DVD, so it looked a lot better than the VHS. So I probably watched it more frequently, and I was fatigued with the. Um, I was fatigued with the bonus features because oh. the only bonus features that I had at the time, like mm-hmm. I, I loved bonus features and the only thing that I had for Lord of the Rings in the way of bonus features was off the appendices discs yeah. from, from two towers. So mm-hmm. I saw like it over and over and over mm-hmm. and I still remember like, um, uh, Oh, what's the name of the guy that plays Sam? Um, oh, um, Oh, Sean, Sean Aston. Austin, yeah. yeah. Like, he, you know, at one point, going into the water, and he, like, cuts his foot open on some mm. glass, and they, like, airlift him out of there and stuff like that. It's yeah. all, you know, when Aragorn kicks the kicks mm. the head and the helmet thing and actually breaks his foot, and right. so the mm-hmm. scream, and that's the scream, that's the, um, mm. that's the take they used, Jeez. and, like, all this. So it's all, like, ingrained in there just because I saw it over and over and over and over and over. Sure. W- would I, you say, in general, you rewatch bonus features for films that you enjoy? Because um, I think yeah, I've I think only so. ever watched the extended bonus features once all the way through. Oh, I, de- oh wow. I definitely have seen them more than once. Like, mm. definitely, probably twice as a kid, and at least once as an adult. Hmm. Wow, yes. that's a um, lot of time. Yeah, so, yeah, so my 
And sometimes it's like, but it, so typically it's like, oh, I've just gotten my wisdom teeth out and mm. I can't do jack shit for <laughs> a week. So right, I might as well watch these. <laughs> um, I, you know, I have this hot take, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is that if all of the Lord of the Rings, if the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. was just one super long movie. I think I would say that it that that movie drags a little bit in the middle. Mm. Um, that it mm. goes from being, uh, you know, in the beginning with the fellowship, we have v- like rapidly changing, beautiful landscapes with all these different locations. We have the Shire. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. There's a lightness to it. There's some impending doom, but we're, we're, we don't really understand the hot water that we're in yet. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end with Return of the King, um, that's, that's the climax. It's the everything's coming to a head. We've got the volcano. We've got Mordor. We've got these sad endings and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And right in the middle with, with the two towers, yeah, we have Helm's Deep, but that is also like towards the end of this, so it could also be like going into the third act of the beginning. Mm-hmm. And and aside from that, we have, you know, for the most part, we just have like a lot of Rohan. Mm-hmm. And I like I like Rohan as as a people and as a mythology and as a as a you know a plot point but it's just like the whole film has got kind of one hmm. color palette and and the whole thing is just like about not even like a big epic battles like obviously that's what Helm's Deep is mm-hmm. but everything else is just like whether it's the warg attack or it's like um, just like preparing for war or like you know riding on horses to get somewhere Mm. or to do this or to do and it's just like it's just not it doesn't capture my it feels very much like the middle part Mm. right the the fellowship of the ring we have all the excitement of the beginning and Mm. setting up that story and figuring out what everything is Mm. return of the king we have obviously the excitement of ending it all and and that closure and the conclusion Mm -hmm. and the middle feels like a transition it feels like some exposition dare i say at times a little bit of filler Mm -hmm. and and it just ends up dragging for me Mm. i feel like often when i'm watching the two towers i feel like (laughs) i'm waiting for ents to greet each other good morning and I'm just like, oh, okay, are we? No, I don't hate this movie. I don't hate this. Mo- yeah, <laughs> nice. I, I don't hate this movie. Mm. I don't dislike this movie. Sure. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, it's my least favorite of the three. Everyone has to have a least favorite. Yeah, it's my least favorite of the three. I don't dislike any of them. It's mm. still going to get a good score. It's still going to get a great score. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's my initial impression. I think it's the weakest of the three. Mm-hmm. It drags a lot for me. Um, it's honestly, it's a lot of the time I, f- I can't remember, like if it's been a while since I've seen them, I struggle to remember mm-hmm. the events that happen and if they happen in this one or in the next one. Mm-hmm. And I think, but I never forget the events of the third one. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think some of these events happen in the next one, mm-hmm. but there's never events in the next one that I think happen in this one. Sure. And I think for me, that's because 
there's a lot of things in this film that I feel like, and forgive me, are kind of forgettable. <laughs> so that's my initial impression of the two towers. All right. Oh, now I know how Marshall felt in Dune. <laughs> oh no, I hate Dune. Was a was a shit show. <laughs> uh, my initial impressions. Uh, I, I alluded to this a bit in a different episode, Marshall, but. My introduction to this series was actually seeing this film in theater. And then from there, I went and saw Fellowship after that, and then I became a lifelong fan. So it's wild that it's already 20 years later. I would say this is an incredible intro to a film. Uh, This is the best intro of all the three films. It's one of the best intros in all of film. And it's one of the best sequences in the entire trilogy as Marshall shakes his head in disagreement. Total disagree. What I will say is that this is the best installment of the trilogy. This is the best part of... This is the best second part of any trilogy. (laughs) And this is as close to... It gets as far as perfection in the trilogy. Wait, 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 wait. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. Back back to F up. (laughs) Okay, to which part? To, to before the, Brady was distracted on his phone. The best second part of any trilogy. That is correct. Okay. I'm not going to disagree. Sure. But I want to list off some films. Please. And I want to see if you... And don't just go, yep, yep, yeah. yep. Just, just, just like I got to be real. You know. Yeah, okay. Uh, some of these I know are not going to mm-hmm. beat this out. Yeah. Uh, the Matrix. The second one? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we're talking about Lulz. second installments. Yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, definitely laugh out loud. Uh, but you haven't seen Terminator or Terminator no, 2. No, I can't comment on that. See, you that's... You also haven't seen the Alien franchise. That yeah. is true, but so I can't seen, comment on uh, that. See, that's... That makes it tricky. Well, maybe it makes my statement more true. In your eyes. <laughs> if those, if I'm just saying, if those second installments are great for you... This is the world that I know. Empire Strikes Back. I do like Empire Strikes Back, but it is, like, I think in my hierarchy of the nine Star Wars films, I think it's, like, fourth or f- probably, like, fourth best. So it's it's fine. It's respectable. But I like Two Towers better. Okay, I think I'm out of things. Yeah. I, honestly, this <laughs> this film... Toy Story Godfather 2. Godfather films usually get thrown in there. <laughs> I've never seen the Godfather films. Toy Story 2. Toy Story is Call good. Call the movie, man. It's, it's different. This, this film, for me, the reason it's the best of all the sequels is, for me, personally, and obviously Brady felt different from what he told us. Oh, yeah. I felt that most second films, like the second Matrix, like whatever, however many dozen Hunger Games there are. Cats, too. Cats, too. A lot of these films that are cash grabs are just setting you up for to get you back in to the third one. Do you know why you think this is the best sequel just of all finish. time? Let me finish. The, it, most sequels are just filler <laughs> expositional stuff to set up events for the third film. And to a degree, that does happen with Two Towers. Like, things are set in place for what is still to come. But for me, and this is proof in the pudding, I can, and I did 20 years ago, I can watch Two Towers by itself, and I am still okay wow. with it. it I'm not, I don't watch it at the end going... I can't, you know, it's not that much of a cliffhanger that it was just a cheap gimmick to get me to watch this to really pay money for the third film. And that's how I feel. Wow. What I was going to end this... Do you know why? Do you know why 
you think that the two towers is the best second installment in any series ever was that because you and I have not watched and reviewed Paddington 2 yet. Oh! <laughs> if anything so, can dethrone it. So, Marshall, I, a friend of the show, Jesse, who has been on this show. Has he? Back in the day for Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars. Ah, Jesse! He, he, of all people, and I, I mean this as a compliment to Jesse, like highbrow, like not not mainstream he said oscar paddington 2 was worthy of an oscar and that he teared up at parts of it i've i have not heard someone give a bad review for there paddington must 2. be where there's smoke there's fire i think something mm-hmm. is on with we gotta paddington get on this too. yeah i, I started it and turned it off <laughs> but yeah, maybe see, that was just I, not being in the mood Maybe. Yeah, see, I wanted to do that with this shit film called Dune, no, but I was obligated no, to keep no. watching. I mean, you could actually. I wanted, I wanted to do it with, uh, with uh, Lost, Lost in, in Translation, Translation but cut. God, so. it's such an awful. I was the person I was watching it but with you didn't was literally with like. Cats. <laughs> I wish the person I was watching it with was literally like, "F this, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Life is too short." And it's going to be even shorter oh, if I have to finish watching this. My oh, I'm so hurt. I'm like Frodo's <laughs> neck when he wears the ring, and it's like chafed and sore and bleeding. That is what I feel like every time Brady brings up Lost in Translation. I'm like, okay. like, like, you know, when it's a hot day <sighs> in the summer, and they're spreading like pig shit on farms <laughs> nearby, and the whole town just reeks. Do you know what I mean? I don't, but keep going. What do you mean you don't? I, I, I fine, I do. Keep going. I'd rather that. <laughs> oh, come on. You would rather that than Bill Murray. Come on. No, Bill Murray's fantastic. It's not his fault the movie's horrible. <laughs> it's the script. I will agree to disagree. All right. And I will say my favorite part of this series mm. is this film. Mm. And I will end my initial impression on a question that was going to be funny. But now it's just me wiping away tears after Lost in Translation. <laughs> My question remains after this film. How does Legolas only end up with 43 kills when he had 19 after, like, the first two minutes? And then, like, did he go on a Starbucks run? Like, what was he doing the whole night? Especially considering there was, what, 20 hours? <laughs> 20 hours of footage, you said? <laughs> 20 hours of footage, that's yeah. right. Like, what was he doing? Like, playing rock, paper, scissors. Mm. I think he also is the one who takes out one of those ladders as it's midway. Yes. Which means everyone on that, that ladder and everyone yeah, it landed on. But you can't count that because you don't know how many. Well, he, he according to the rules that Gimli... Uh, according to Gimli, with, uh, yeah, that would probably elephant, still only count yeah, as one. still only counts as one. I would assume. <laughs> well, the elephant only counted as one. Yeah, the ladder. Different rules. All right, well... I mean, they should have established their rules ahead of time. Oh, absolutely. We'll get into the dislikes, and um, I, I'm a, I'm afraid to ask who should start this segment. I'll do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've already kind of, sort of talked about them. Mm, I just think yep. that it, like, no, yep. you know, I think it, I think it drags. I think, you know, there's there's not enough. All of the Rohan stuff. So, so like part of the wonder and mysticism of of the Fellowship of the Ring 
is there's hardly a single setting in which you could look at it and go, um, oh, this just happened in our world back mm. in medieval times. Like it, it, it is these beautiful different landscapes. Hmm. Um, much like with Mordor, like Mordor in Return of the King is clearly not our Earth. Mm-hmm. Rohan and all the Ro- Rohaven, right? They're just here. Like, I just, I, I mm, just yes. find, yeah, whatever it is. I just find, <laughs> I just find, I just find that I'm not interested. Uh, this is actually here we go. This is I've figured it out. Sure. Because for the most part, the Gondor stuff doesn't interest me either, Agreed. and I think I'm just not interested in mm. the stories of men. In mm. this world, agree. Okay. Aragorn's Aragorn's a bit of an exception because he uh, he's a Dunedine, and so there's mm-hmm. there's kind of some really interesting stuff in his past and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I as I made painfully clear in um, in our fellowship episode, mm. Gandalf is not human. So yep. people go, well, what about mm-hmm. Gandalf? Okay, well, he's not human. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the average moviegoer doesn't like the movies don't explain that they don't mm-hmm. explain that he's another yeah um, and so I just don't like I love Rivendell hmm. love Moria and mm. the and the you know the tomb of Balin and and um, and then Mordor is interesting with the orcs and and obviously you know Shelob and and the Nazgul and and yeah yes. yeah and yeah. and the Nazgûl and Minas Morgul and stuff like that i just i don't th- so much of the two towers even the ants are pretty interesting cuz there's like mm-hmm. you're discovering this history about about these beings and how long have they been here and and mm-hmm. the history of Fangorn mm-hmm. but so much of the two towers is about the race of men mm. and the race of men in middle earth just doesn't interest me Hmm. i just don't care and so i think that's why it drags for me is because i'm like you know especially when it's just like these little like the warg the warg attack does nothing for me Mm -hmm. because i don't care (laughs) right it's i just don't helm's deep is this big immense beautiful it's raining it's nighttime it's it's you know whatever Mm -hmm. but everything else you know the the faked relationship the force relationship between Eowyn and Aragorn, the... I, I will say that does... <laughs> I do have time of day for that. It is a little weak, other than, like, him being attractive and her being single. Oh, I'd do him. What, <laughs> what like, what really, like, be, there's the moment where she says, yeah, like, I don't want to be locked in a cage, and there's some emotional connection of yeah. him acknowledging that, so it's like, sure, there's some stuff, but the fake enjoying soup and like all this other stuff. It's like, it does seem forced. Like there's really not a lot of foundation to why they should like each other yeah. or why. She, anyway. So anything, anything in it that's like, that is middle earthian. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Right. Yep. Like even, even worm tail, worm tongue, worm tongue, worm tongue. I see. I'm getting my Harry Potter's mixed up. <laughs> uh, worm tongue is, is fun. Even though he's human, and so is the king. There's there's a dark magic to that. There's a a something going on that feels ancient and old and wicked and mm-hmm. 
and and stuff like that. And so everything else, though, like anything that's just like, oh, okay, here's, you know, oh, these people want our help. No, they can go after themselves. And mm-hmm. and um, you know, oh, I'm I'm, you know, the stuff in the woods with Gandalf is great. Mm-hmm. Seeing him finish off the Balrog is is mm-hmm. great. Um, all of that is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with Frodo and Sam is great because we're really beginning to unpack sort of the duality of Gollum and Smeagol. Mm-hmm. Um, and and but yeah, just anything that it, where it's just like Gondor or Rohan. There's not a lot of Gondor in this one. I can, I think I can definitely Thankfully. feel. Yeah, I can definitely feel the whole. Like, I think I would agree with that sentiment of like stuff focusing on men is maybe of less in, less interest for me. But I would say more just Gondor because I think I the Rohan would be the exception to me. Just having this like Norse feel and like this mythical yeah. kind of like. Rustic feel that their kingdom and heritage has. So which, I would say, for me, that one race of men is the exception. But otherwise, yeah, which makes sense because I typically have never been interested with North Norse mythology, mm-hmm. uh, and until Taika Waititi got right. involved, I didn't care about <laughs> Thor or the character Thor. Right. Certainly not Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> and you also didn't love the Northmen. I think has right. I didn't I didn't love it. No, I appreciated it for its for what it was, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's it's just like, oh, this is a movie. If this weren't Lord of the Rings, mm. this is content that I wouldn't watch. Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Whereas something uh, Brady, like have elves you read and stuff I would watch. Silmarillion? Not all the way through. No, because that's but I've, mostly elves, right? Yeah, so oh. I've read a lot of it, and I also follow a couple of YouTube channels um, that are run by. Uh, one of them for sure is run by a guy whose actual, like, his paying job, his career, <laughs> is that he is a, a Tolkien scholar, scholar, Expert. like he's yeah. he's a historian, a Middle Earth historian, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about, you what know, he job. answers people's questions on Twitter and he like, but he's like, he's definitely gained access to further texts. Like mm. he has, he has unpublished, he's, he's certainly read over and as well first and, and all of Tolkien's unpublished stuff as well. And mm. like, and all yeah, of Christopher he's, um, Tolkien's Mm, yeah, history yeah, right. of Middle Earth books. Yeah, yeah. Right. So getting into stuff like you know the 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 origins of of the Balrog and mm. and um, multiple and, versions uh, of stories and characters and everything. Yeah, Mi- Middle Earth mm. before the West f- flooded, right? And before like that became a coast and 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 you know again back into like the the Celebrimbor mm. stuff and 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 which I'm hoping. I see no reason not to get Celebrimbor in the Rings of Power. <laughs> I hope. I hope. <laughs> Better happen. Better happen. Anyways. So I that's, don't have that's, much skin in that game. But <laughs> those are the things I don't like. We, we have mentioned, Marshall, I have a fear that the Hobbit, the fate that was the Hobbit films might have the same fate as the lord of the rings television show but we shall see i don't think we'll have the same problem 
Okay. The, uh, the big problem with The Hobbit Nothing was he didn't have any bad. time mm. to actually edit it the way, it, or, you know, edit it beforehand the way mm. he did with Lord of the Rings. He was taking so over for Guillermo del Toro, right? Yeah, so that's, oh, a, that's okay. a thing. And actually, um, this is a little bit of a Coney trail, but... Mm. Uh, Coney so trail. the when we're talking about um, uh, extended edi- editions versus theatrical versions, mm. um, it's okay. So I would say when you're watching the Hobbit mm-hmm. films, the Lord of the Rings, you got to watch extended edition. When you're watching <laughs> the Hobbit, if you enjoy them or you really want to go the full nine yards, yeah, mm-hmm. watch the extended editions. Mm-hmm. But if you're just like, okay, I need to know the story and, you know, whatever, mm. then watch the theatrical version for one and two. Never watch the theatrical version of the third one. Always watch the extended edition. And oh, the reason being right. is because yeah. much like what Marshall just said, they ran out of time. So the version, the version, like objectively, the version of Battle of the Five Armies that was played in theaters, the theatrical release <laughs> is an incomplete version. Gosh. Like there's stuff that they that he left Uh-oh. out just because they ran out of time, not mm. because it was a better cut of the film. Right. So Man. no matter what, the extended edition of Battle of the Five Armies is a better film, film. and they actually finish storylines. Like stuff makes more sense. You're left if you watch the theatrical version of Battle of the Five Armies, you're left going what? <laughs> what? But what about this and this and this and this? Right. Yeah. So, anyways. Marshall, yeah. I will hand it over to you. What did you dislike? And to bring the listener behind the curtain, I will remind you, when you're talking, maybe just face more directly to your microphone just so that it directly picks up what you are saying. For sure, yeah. And that being said, what say you? Uh, so... I would agree with a lot of what Brady said about the race of men and and the politics around them. Mm. Um, this one, again, mostly deals with Rohan. And I, when I was younger, when I first was head over heels for Lord of the Rings, I refused mm-hmm. to accept um, that there was anything wrong with Lord of the Rings. And now sure. I've come back to them and sort of given more of a nuanced opinion about them to myself, Mm. allowed myself to see their flaws. And one of the things that has been there since the very beginning has been a dislike of Rohan, of Theoden, especially of Eomir for some reason. I've never liked his casting for some reason. Um, Could just be preference. Um, Wait, is that the Eomir? The cousin. Carl Urban? Yeah, uh, Carl. Yeah. Is that the name? I'm yeah, not a same. big Carl Urban fan. Okay, I know I, a lot of people I really, really are. Really loved him in the Star Trek mil- films. I thought he did oh, great. Sure. But I think I, I only I saw never him in liked Dread. Him in Elmer. Yeah, hmm. I just saw him in Dread, and that was enough for me to be like, okay. <laughs> I actually like him as Dread. Um, but hmm. yeah, I, I didn't like him as Amir. So th- I I agree that Rohan is lacking for me. I'd say hmm. um, of all of the things that happen in Rohan, um, Helm's Deep is is one of the better parts, and I mean it has all of these mm-hmm. Urukai and elves and stuff that aren't just the politics of humans. Um, yeah. 
And uh, you, fortunately, we don't see too much of Gondor. I don't really love the Boromir flashback mm-hmm. that's in the extended edition, but I, I do like hmm. sort of Fer- Faramir and his merry men. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in general, I'm not a huge fan of Rohan. Um, my my biggest complaints this time rewatching Two Towers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple. Of, one of them is the Aragorn and Arwen scenes. I just Ugh. I can't. Yeah. Oh, Arwen. I, sorry. Yeah, Arwen. not Eowyn. Arwen. Oh. The, the the flashbacks, the dream sequences, the visions, whatever they are. Um, I'm not yeah. a exactly. fan of those. exactly whatever they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, I agree because it's like. Some of them are f- clearly flashbacks, mm-hmm. but then the, there's like dream sequences. But she's like, it's it's kind of like what they did in Star Wars, mm. where they were like having lightsaber fights or like giving each other stuff through these like force visions. Mm. Because she's like, yeah, it's it seems like a dream, but, but then he wakes up and he's got the her little pendant. That yeah, her and it's like, what, is what just what's happened? Waking him up or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I. Yeah. I, I really too, dislike those. I so one of a, a dis, an almost dislike for me jumping ahead was they at one point and they have film footage of this like they filmed this and this was the plan at one point. Arwen was actually going to be fighting at Helm's Deep, and oh my um, goodness, and, right? <laughs> so and instead they went with the dream sequences. I didn't have a problem with the dream sequences, but I'm just saying could have been worse sure could have been a well, not even that uh, but i understand what their point is in the books it's fine to go a long period of time without mentioning arwen but in a film they really need to remember like this is his love interest there's this special thing and they need like they need some touch points with her so i get where they say okay it's been like three hours of film and they ha- we need to remember like there's this connection and you know i get it maybe if it was more clear that it's a daydream versus just they're connecting i get maybe that's a bit of a problem but nah. i understand like that was their point they wanted to at least have them have a touch point and it could have been a heck of a lot worse so aside from it not happening in the book <laughs> walk me through why her fighting at helm's deep is so horrible because i hear that and i think huh it i would have liked to see her in doing some badass action stuff because when we do see her doing badass stuff in the fellowship of the ring right that if you want him come and get him mm. stuff i was like she's <laughs> she knows her she's stuff she's pretty fierce i'd say a problem that we have in The Hobbit is where they take a nugget from the books and then take it 10 miles and they take it too far so that it's saturated or it's not enjoyable. What they do, in my opinion, is fine. That they bring the elves to Helm's Deep and that elf leader is there, which he is obviously not in the books. And it wasn't too much for me and it was enough of a touch that I had no problems with it. I guess I'm open conceptually to Arwen being there, but I also just... It would have to be done very carefully so it's not forced. See, so, yeah, I'm I'm not a stickler for stick to the book. Sure. Um, and so the example that you gave with The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like the whole love interest in, that they added into The Hobbit w- with that chick, whatever her name is, 
and the dwarf it was like no that's garbage a lot of people and at first you know what at first i was bent out of shape when legolas showed up Mm -hmm. i was like what Mm -hmm. seriously however although at no point in any of tolkien's texts Mm -hmm. is it ever confirmed that legolas was in the woodland realm at the time of the dwarf, like Thorn and company being there. Mm-hmm. That is his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, so unless he was off on some mission or doing something, some, doing something yeah. it is very likely that Legolas was there mm-hmm. when Thorn and Bilbo and all them went through mm-hmm. for sure so i so i would have been okay and it would have been a really nice wink and a nod to simply have him make even an unspoken cameo mm. for sure that would have been great um but Fair. all of this shit with him, and then they bring him back and he's mm-hmm. in lake town and and all yeah. of that that was like yeah. what are you yeah. doing no problem with legolas having a cameo it's it's yeah because it makes sense it makes sense he would have been it. there yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you of yeah. the same with Arwen, like Marshall? Like, no, as I far disagree. As Deep? I I actually don't like Liv Tyler Taylor, whatever her name is. Oh, I don't Tyler. like her acting at oh. all. And <laughs> so I I can't imagine enjoying her presence at Helm's Deep. It would have okay. added a completely different like. I feel like Aragorn would have been more focused on her. Like, mm. or or they would have shown some sort of relationship tension there instead of focusing on, like, that trio dynamic of Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, which is, like, one of the best through lines of this film, I think. Mm. And, yeah. and then they also would have then either needed to have Arwen continue with them or go back to Rivendell for some reason. So I just, I don't right. see any reasoning for that being to be something that would tie in. I'm really glad she wasn't there. And I, yeah. I don't even have a problem with flashbacks. Like, I think the the fact that Arwen and Aragorn's relationship is this really interesting, rich backstory is cool. But Peter Jackson basically just made a bunch of scenes where they're lounging and kissing. And like, <laughs> it, it, and he doesn't do it well. There, there, there really doesn't seem to be this... Real? Are there middle? Are are there hammocks in Middle Earth? Sure. Yeah, we can put a hammock in Middle Earth. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um. So uh, yeah, I just I I didn't I don't think Peter Jackson is great at uh, Which, romance. Would you have I, preferred I, it if if Arwen was played by Liv's father, Stephen Tyler? I unfamiliar what, the lead with singer Stephen of Tyler. Aerosmith. Oh, what? Unfamiliar. Yeah, with she's the she's the daughter of the Aerosmith. lead singer of Aerosmith. I I'm not a fan of Aerosmith, but that still blows my mind that yeah. there's a connection. Yeah, look at her lips; it's the same lips. It's <laughs> a big Steven Tyler. Really, you don't? I, yeah. Anyways, no, that's right. interesting. Yeah. No comment. I have I no feel skin like here. John Williams' son is the lead singer or part of the group. Aha! I'll just see myself out. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say the Aragorn Arwen thing is one of the big things for me, um, sure. and I've got I've got a couple of like real. There's yeah. at least one thing that's just real small, and then a couple mm. of, um, 
scenes that I that I had mm-hmm. problems with. So one of them is uh, in the scene where the the Nazgul's flying over the dead marshes with um, Sam and Frodo and Gollum. That mm. they've got this ominous music going on, and they're all afraid and being very scared, and. The- <laughs> And then they focus on the Nazgul sniffing, and this time it just didn't work for me at all. Like, there's nothing off ominous about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> for whatever reason, I'd never really noticed it in previous viewing, but I was, hmm. uh, I it it didn't. I I think they should have gone in a different direction and not been so mm. true to the the source material. If that's what was uh, what it was from from that initial scene in fellowship mm-hmm. um another thing that i was not happy with and i i've never been happy with this is the scene where gandalf comes back and they use the audio trickery of putting christopher lee's voice mm. in the audio with ian mcgregor's voice and it's just to trick the audience Right, like there's no actual reason to have put Christopher Lee's voice in there from a story point. I think they could have made it a little bit, I don't know, less clear that it's Ian McKellen, maybe. But th- the fact that they added tr- Christopher Lee's voice made me upset. And then hmm. the and then when they attempt to use their weapons against him, it just feels like the most clear use of CGI in this film. Oh. Um, and so I, I really dislike that hmm. element of that scene as well. Um, and then another thing that's never made any sense to me is when Frodo and Sam have just gotten to the gates of Mordor and they're, they're seeing the army that's going in and Sam trips and starts tumbling down this sand dune Ugh. and Frodo's running down and like hiding, quote unquote. But from the way the camera is showing, it's like, the guy who's walking over to see what this cloud and what this sound is obviously would see them. Like, I don't understand. They, they could have really tried harder to make this scene look like it makes any sense, but it doesn't. Mm. It's really mm. just, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I'm concur. really impressed with the, like, the practical effect of making the, the mm-hmm. cloak look like a rock. I think that's that was a really fun ending of that scene. But them falling down to to be seen or not seen by this guy when they're obviously in clear clear vision. That I had a big problem with that. But as far as mm-hmm. scenes, I, I don't really have a ton of problems with uh, individual scenes in the two towers sure. besides those ones. Sure, sure. I did find especially. Um, in some of the scenes where it would go from daylight to nighttime, it it felt like really rushed. Um, hmm. So I, I I feel like that might be a bit of a pushback against the idea that the two towers is a bit of a drag. Because I actually felt that the scenes were really jumping, at, like they're trying to imply that so much time is going on for all of these trips. Um, hmm. But but in reality, it just it feels really quickly paced in a way that doesn't feel natural. I think it would have made more sense if they'd spent time there in the daytime, go to another storyline, come back and it's nighttime. Hmm. The Twin Towers drags. Did you hear that? I I said it doesn't drag. Doesn't drag. I think think it goes too fast. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
I just, I find it very fascinating that I, you are a Twin Towers apologist. Mm-hmm. Two Towers, not Twin. Oh, what I, did I say Twin? Mm-hmm. Oh. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, whoops. <laughs> oh. Freudian slip there. Um, and, and I've brought up some stuff that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And Marshall's brought up some things that he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And both times, you've nodded and went, hmm. Only out of respect. <laughs> no, <laughs> you were, there were no. some things. What was the thing that he said? And you were like, oh, that really drives me nuts. It was, so I'll, maybe this is a good segue into my dislikes. Yeah, okay. I also, just the whole Aowen Aragorn thing, um, not a, not, there's the argument to have that it's not true or authentic to the books, but it, I also just watch it and I always go, why? Like, there's not a lot of on-scene chemistry that makes me go, yeah, like, there's really a lot of stuff feeding into it. So it doesn't really make sense to me, like the fake deet soup and the changed glances i guess i don't know the near miss we talked about i don't buy the arwen being at helm's deep doesn't really work for me i don't mind the dream sequences so i think that was better for me and i got the touch points of those two characters being together there was a continuity flaw for me that uh boyer like fairmere has the flashback to when he found boromir and the fact that Mm -hmm. boromir's body is still intact in that boat after going off a waterfall is completely (laughs) farcical like well, he's I think be- it's meant to be a dream sequence or oh, I don't think well, it's actually meant to be that he found the boat with Boromir in it. Well, now I just feel silly. But if it's not a dream sequence, I don't know because he's probably at the bottom of the waterfalls getting like swirled around and whatnot. Maybe. He does actually um, mention that the 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 cleaved horn yes. uh, showed up. So maybe maybe you are right picking up on something that i yeah interpreted in a different way yeah that's true he does mention that the horn showed up cleaved in two so yeah i i guess it's just a bit ambiguous of what really was seen the last thing i'll talk about and it's more it's not specific to two tires it's throughout the whole story but just the whole fact that the fate of the free world is riding on frodo who just for me it doesn't really jive as an adult like understanding from a narrative that yeah hobbits are the courage in all of us and even the littlest and smallest and most you know mundane can do special things great but just basing the fate of all and like on such a woefully inadequately ill-equipped individual is just the (laughs) stupidest thing like the fact that he's not with aragorn the fact that he's not with legolas anymore he needs to be with them as they go through the marshes and just the whole fact that they arrive at the gates of Mordor with no actual plan. Like Boromir had it right. You, you don't just simply walk into Mordor. What's your plan? So I guess just underlying what their, the, the whole narrative and plot point, like what their plan is, is a little bit disconcerting, but yeah. two towers sucks. <laughs> no, it does <laughs> Now, I think let's, that's let's, more let's, crucial to the Lord of the Rings story overall, actually. Yes, I would agree. Uh, you can trace Pete that back hates to the Lord of the Rings. You can trace that back to the Council of Elrond. Yeah, jumping, yeah. jumping ship to what we like. Oh, I just a, wanted to note oh, one other yeah. thing. Please, um, I, I'm not. I wouldn't quite feel confident saying it's negative, but mm. um, since the last time I've watched Lord of the Rings, I've I've watched a lot of films. 
um, especially films that would sort of lean into the art film category and been paying sure. a lot of attention to sort of the way that films are made. So watching Lord of the Rings Two Towers this time, I was paying attention to stuff like cinematography and, mm. and the lighting and stuff like that. And one of the things I noticed is there's not a lot of um, uh, composition that like, it doesn't feel like they were intentionally creating compositional scene like shots it felt like it was more or less like an economical decision of like this guy's talking so we're just gonna <laughs> show his face this guy's talking so we're gonna show his face and there wasn't mm. a lot of like creating beautiful scenes if there's a couple mm. for sure um and i would say most of those for me the ones that i preferred in the two towers happened um in, at the dead marshes um but right in general it, it didn't lean into the sort of cinematography that I've tended to find really are my favorite films tend to utilize more. And it just seems to be more about using the camera to tell a story and that's it. Hmm. Interesting point. I will now have to re examine this the next time I watch this <laughs> trilogy in five years. And now you've got me concerned. And not to say that every film needs to have no. the same method to why they're mm. and how they're using cinematography but for me it was something that i hadn't really noticed in all yeah. of my previous viewings and and this time it was oh that's why i haven't noticed it it's because it's just sort of there to show you the story and not really much more right i found yeah all right now there must be good things to talk about this film oh yeah i'm i'm praying uh, I'm going to lead it off on a positive note and then you guys can do what you will with it uh, two things it's in two categories the first is character growth that is what I think is just rich about this film and then there are just actual like perfection like perfect scenes so mm -hmm. it's pretty brief but it encompasses a three hour movie so uh, it just because my list is brief doesn't mean what it is is not ins it's it's not insignificant. So we got Frodo. I feel he grows like just in his empathy towards Gollum. Um, the For whole sure. Gollum's Gollum narrative of looking into what Smeagol is and like just the fact that an individual forgot what their actual name was. Hmm. Like he's surprised when he said, "Oh yeah, that like that's my name." Mm -hmm. um, so his depth, uh, Aragorn. Uh, you know, the him wanting to Arwen to be going with her people and the whole aspect of like maintaining immortality and leaving him behind and all this. Uh, I thought that was an excellent storyline. And um, even Boromir's, uh, a deceased character, is given depth in Faramir's flashback and his motivations of, you know, why he went to the Fellowship and even why he was wanting to get the ring. And we've hit on this before, like, it's not totally just aspirations yes the ring was playing evil on him but he mm -hmm. had some degree of wanting to do good with it and so i just For found sure. that there were characters that weren't even still alive in this trilogy that i got depth on so i thought that was great and perfect like I, like i'm talking perfect sequences for me so the introduction of shadow facts like the the soundtrack huh. the, the landscape of middle earth and new zealand and like 
the character depth of Gandalf saying like we've been through many dangers together and this eluded relationship between beast and, and man Balrog intro intro I already talked about like best intro of the trilogy <laughs> best intro in probably any film ever made on earth wow um the slow motion legless sniping warg riders listen I liked it when I was a kid I like it now it's it's amazing um and then the whole aspect or uh, Arwen talking about like the future and what was foreseen by her father and we see this visually with the soundtrack of just mm-hmm. what her life will look like if she stays and what that means and just just actually putting yourself in that picture of like is it worth staying mm-hmm. for like an eternity of loneliness and, and the fact there's that- actually one scene during that sequence that also mm-hmm. falls into that like compositional shot that mm. i really appreciated was when arwen's standing next to the grave of aragorn mm. who's got this the statuette version of himself on the grave i thought that was a really really pretty mm. scene i agree and yeah. it lingers there for a nice decent amount of time right yep uh aragorn's resurgence back at helm's deep again recurring theme here the soundtrack amplifies everything so it just builds and builds and builds until you get this pan shot of him arriving to helm's deep gandalf's arrival uh at the rescue of helm's deep i actually got goosebumps when you know he says (laughs) rohan stands alone and uh you're both your favorite casted character says not alone and aramir says let's go do this and um (laughs) just marching down I, I read this and I, I guess I never really made this connection, but like it's a scene straight out of Revelation, like just like this uh, riding on horseback, saving the day. Like it's 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 powerful. It's magical. The lighting in that scene just does everything for me. So those those scenes for me are perfection. And obviously the soundtrack that has been done so well obviously adds to it. If it was bad soundtrack, none of these things would be anything but flat. And so the scenes, the characters, I think there's just so much richness that... You get a bit of in Fellowship, it comes close. And I don't think you get quite as much in Return of the King just because there's so much else going on of like this battle, that battle, this going on. So that's that's in a nutshell what is great about a three-hour film. And uh, I stand by it. <laughs> now, I don't even know who I want to ask to go next because I'm just scared. I can go next. <laughs> I'll let Marshall go next. Um, so, uh, as far as the, the scenes that are cinematically beautiful, with like mm-hmm. really interesting lighting and stuff like that, one of the interesting scenes for me is when Smeagol first is introduced and he's, 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 uh, up on the rocks and he's got the moonlight in the background and he's starting to climb down the mountain towards Frodo and Sam, the thieves, the thieves. It's, it's always felt really Shakespearean to me for some reason. That hmm. like couple of lines and, and, and the, the way it is framed. And that is definitely one of my favorite scenes visually that happens in Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Um, as far as scenes, I'm, I really love how much you've been digging on the scene with Eowyn giving soup to Ar- Aragorn because that's actually one of the three scenes I wrote down. Really? That extended scene is one of my favorite scenes in Lord of the Rings. For starters, wow. it's it's this like it's really funny and humor is definitely something that I think Peter Jackson 
did really good in infusing it throughout the whole uh, trilogy is is how much humor used. But that like obviously Aragorn is not interested in the soup and doesn't think it tastes good, and that like awkward humor is really funny. Secondly, mm. the 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 fact that she like questions like my my you know did you did you go to war with this like old guy mm. that must mean you're really old that that's yeah. a little like you know really nerdy element that they're revealing how old Aragorn is and what that how that is tied to his Dunedain heritage and then thirdly I actually have always loved the way that soup looks and I recently <laughs> looked I, I thought it looked like it might be like a fish or something like that so I looked up fish soup sometime I think mm. last year or maybe two years ago and I found this recipe for congee soup and that I've been making ever since because <laughs> of that scene in Lord that's, of the Rings and it's my hilarious. favorite fish soup that I've ever had before so that's that's interesting one <laughs> I want to jump um, on your back I think I also yeah, yeah. agree I love I love that scene I just don't like the forced romance I think if it had been more oh, platonic I, I'm there for that. I don't think it's a forced romance. I think he's he's doing something is interesting where Eowyn is obviously head over heels for Aragorn. But Aragorn mm. is literally twice, if not more, her age and is in right. love with an elven maiden who is right. probably like four or five times his age. And he's <laughs> grown up around elves and, and the wisdom and history of elves. And like we've said, the hit, the history of men in middle earth is, is like nothing. So mm. the fact that she's interested in him is kind of like when like a little girl has like a crush on an adult and the adult kind of like smiles at them. And, you know, obviously mm. there's no actual attraction there. That's how I've always seen Aragorn's, mm response to Eowyn she's like infatuated with him and thinks he's the coolest thing she's ever encountered and super respects him but he does he's not seeing her as like a potential right. romance he never that's actually a, like bats his eyes at her he just kind of yeah, like tries to play the friend card all the time yeah. or maybe the dad card <laughs> that's actually a really good point I've never considered that because there's a huge age difference and you're right he doesn't lead her on it's mm -hmm. just that whole card of like okay I realize what's going on and I'm going to try and be subtle about what's going on just so that like I don't like hurt your feelings but like yeah there's nothing going on here so and That's and fair. one of the beautiful things that the book delves into a little bit more I, I thought Faramir kind of feels like discount Aragorn if you will and especially in the book where he's not like daddy problems right. and so the fact that she naturally is drawn to Aragorn and then mm. when she meets Faramir she falls in love with Faramir it, it, it makes a lot more sense whereas in the movie it's kind of they don't right. feel like the same kind of character and they're mm. kind of very very similar in the book right um uh, as far as other scenes that I really, really love, Theoden's exorcism, the whole <laughs> scene with with them coming yeah. in, the choreography of them fighting the the henchmen as as Gandalf is walking towards Theoden, and the mm. the Theoden's like old age makeup and his like the the way his eyes are just absent is just mm -hmm. really well acted, and Wormtongue, like you already mentioned. I think he's probably my favorite 
human character other than Aragorn that's in this. He's the most like interesting character. You hmm. like love to hate him. Um, and I then, told you to take the wizard <laughs> star. And I think they use the same trick in this scene of mixing Theoden's voice with Saruman's voice. And this yes. one actually makes sense because he's possessing right. him. So I think that actually makes sense. And I really enjoy that. But and I'd argue... I've I'd, also sorry, really I been to... impressed with the Wait, de-aging just... makeup that they do. I, before, I'm, I'm cutting you off and I will come back to Theoden. I, this thought just came to me, so I can't sit on it any longer. Maybe it does make sense. <laughs> Wait, if it just came to you, no. then you haven't been sitting on it at all. It just came. It just came to me, and I refuse to wait at all. No, no, but it's of the point. It makes sense to have the voice crossover of Theod and, and Saruman, but it maybe makes sense to have the voice crossover of Gandalf and Saruman because Gandalf says, "I am Saruman," or is Saruman as he should be. Well, of course, that's their way of justifying it. But yeah, what it's never he's not me. tapping into Saruman's like Mayan spirit or anything like that. He's I just guess. saying like I'm replacing his role. It's like if a if a president came in and mm-hmm. was like, well, the last president. He's been kicked out of office. He's refusing to admit that he's kicked out of office. But Fine. I'm the new president. You don't also say, by the way, here's I'm I'm going to do an impersonation of the previous president. Fine, you're right. Anyway, <laughs> I would back to theater. Of course, exorcism. you would. Yeah. Uh, and the last uh, full out scene that I really, really, really love is yeah. small um, Gollum versus Smeagol. That whole like mm. back and forth that they do. I, I think it's one of the best. Storytelling now and never come Come back. It's it's emotional. By the end of it, you're like so proud of Smeagol for having like made a right decision, and then it immediately switches to like showing the result of him being free of that oppressive personality. And you see him giddy, and and you see like frodo and sam responding to him and like wow like what has happened and there's this hope mm. that's in the air and he's like giggling and then you've of of course you've got the scene with sam starting to cook the conies and talking about how he wish he had taters and like yeah. that whole like smattering of uh scenes right there i guess it would be sort of a a scene and a half or two scenes together that's one mm. of my favorite parts of the film for sure i think and everything in that hat in is great and it's so incredible because it's is the narrative point like it's so short-lived like we get this glimmer of hope that comes mm-hmm. as a result of this sequence but yep. not like you know maybe a half hour or an hour i'm not sure how much screen time later it comes crashing down and it's so short-lived and what it, it's the what next makes time it you better. see Gollum. yes yeah. yeah, because they get taken in by Faramir's men, right? So, mm. yeah, it's not much longer. Oh, it's this yeah. the glimmer of sunshine as the cr- yeah. clouds go away and then they come right back. Oh, sorry, I did have one more scene that I I'm, of course I, I love I love the end march on Isengard. That's also yeah. I I I'd hazard to say my favorite battle scene in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. I, I love the playfulness of the hobbits and Fangorn mm. working together, or Treebeard rather, working mm. together. I love like the like scenes of them 
unleashing the dam and and the one that gets set on fire by the orcs and then puts his hair or the fire out when the water comes in that's it's just such a it's it's visually interesting it's fun and it's also like i guess there's not a lot of um tension in that scene of who mm. who's going to win so i guess it's not truly a a battle it's 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 more of a i don't know they're just winning <laughs> so mm. Not not a fair comparison to Helm's Deep or Pelinor Fields, but yeah, hmm. definitely one of my favorite scenes in this in this uh, film, though. Cool. Um, outside of scenes, I, I mentioned horror or no horror humor. <laughs> um, uh, Peter Jackson does a good job of using humor, and I think especially often that falls on Gimli, whether it's Gimli like standing on 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 a box or being told <laughs> that he needs to stand on a box or standing between two la- ladders and taking orcs out as they walk mm. up the top of the ladders or being thrown by Aragorn. He, he tends to be like the source of the humor, at least in toast that me. sort of. <laughs> don't kind of make the jump. You have to toast me. Don't tell the elf. Yeah, don't whoa. Don't tell the elf. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a wonderful part of this film. Mm. Um, and Pete, you were mentioning some of the music. I love the Shire theme, the Mordor okay. theme, the Isengard theme. Like those are mm. whenever they show up, it makes me happy, if not emotional. Hmm. Um, so that's one of the the main elements that keeps coming up in the film that I love. As far as characters, I mentioned Wormtongue, Gollum. I think that's one of the things that makes Two Towers different from. Return of the King. I think there's a lot more focus on Gollum, um, especially when they first meet him, and then that that back and forth between Smeagol and Gollum. Um, I think that's one of my favorite elements of Two Towers that feels unique to Two Towers as opposed to Return of the King, and especially Fellowship, which barely has any of him. Um, and then Treebeard would probably be be my favorite character in in Two Towers. And he doesn't show up much in either Return of the King. So the whole Ent element and and Fangorn and their their trip with the Ent Drod and oh yeah. So I've I've got a a bunch of quotes down here as well that I'd be willing to read if you guys are interested. That like were moments where I teared up during this film this last time I watched it, um, which don't necessarily mean that the scene itself is uh, phenomenal, but like the fact that it pulls on my heartstrings so many times is also mm. something that will always bring me back to the two towers. Mm. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> Get me a <laughs> tissue box. Well, well, what? This is your show, man. What? Uh, what are you looking at me for? <laughs> Brady, you better tell me something that you like about this film. <sighs> and you got to think of at least one thing. Uh, okay, well, so, I mean, Helm's Deep, for sure, is a great fight. Um, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Especially the moment when the elves show up. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. The hug um, that he gives Haldir. Yeah, mm. that's, that's epic. Um... I do like the exorcism. I like 
I've never considered it before, but that is really an exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like, I like Gandalf swindling them, the guards, as they're like, you know, oh, you would not part an old man from his walking stick. And then proceeds to walk in not using his staff. Yeah, not using it. He's hiding it. I mean, the guards are in on it to a degree. Gandalf the Grey. Yeah. Um, Stormcrow. Yeah, so that's that's fun. Um, Obviously, the Balrog intro is a lot of fun. Yes. Um, Some might say the best intro in all of cinema. (laughs) Because we're talking about the extended edition, I do like uh, when Merry and Pippin get into the the Entwater and they're Mm. growing as a result of it. (laughs) Um, That's fun. Or the Tom Bombadil scene that they gave to Treebeard. Yeah. Where he tells old man Willow to go to sleep and... Yeah. Drink water and eat earth. Let right. those hobbits go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's all fun. Um I do like I do like the dialogue during the, the fish stew scene, which I found a recipe mm. online for just now, by the way. <laughs> like yeah. specifically that specifically that one. Oh wow. really? Yeah. I um, you'll have to send it over here too. Are you I feel so not cultured that and I don't have So it actually was fish, fish soup. soup. Unsalted butter, olive oil, uh, thinly sliced leeks, hmm. uh, cooked potatoes, white wine, chicken stock, water, uh, halibut, spinach, and salt and pepper. There you go. Sounds wonderful. A hobbit would be terrible. proud. No. So Aragorn was just being a little bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a bitch when he was given that. Um, well, but I do, I might, do like that. All, like, all the good ingredients cooked wrong still doesn't taste good. Yeah, so. that is true. But I do, I do like that. You know, oh, the king has a good memory. He was only a small boy at the time. Yeah, he cannot mm-hmm. be. You know, what? Yeah. that would mm-hmm. make you nearly sixty or you know whatever. Must it is. be seventy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not eighty. Not eighty. Yeah. Uh, so that's fun. What else do I like? The end credits, apparently. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Those um, end credits are so long in the extended. Of of note, the end like the end credits song is fire. I really enjoy is it? it. It's so bittersweet. Maybe yeah. less sweet, more bitter. Is and that it's just the so Gollum melancholy? Song? I, yeah, yeah, I think if that's what it's yeah. called, the Gollum Where song. Oh, okay. Was lost. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I do. I do like. I do like sort of the bond that's formed between Frodo and Smeagol, even though you know that it's going nowhere good. Um, yeah. There is sort of this like. This is the first person, in hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> who has been capable of empathizing with Smeagol. Right. Mm-hmm. Who understands the weight and also is looking at Smeagol, seeing mm-hmm. what becomes of him, what becomes of Frodo if Frodo holds on to this thing. Mm-hmm. Right, a glimpse into the future. Yeah. Well, also just seeing the kind of struggle that nobody else can resonate with the same way. Mm. Yeah. That's mostly it. Mm. Yeah. What's the ne- next category? Oh, can I, can think, I read you oh. some some of my favorite quotes real quick? Well, can I actually, Just Marshall, I, so cool. I I didn't 
want to cut you off, but while I, I thought it would make sense, our last category is, is this film truly perfect and how does it fit into the series and this chapter? Mm. Do you want to do your quotes now or do you want to include Well, yeah, I'd that? say they're things I, I enjoy and I wouldn't sure. say that they necessarily fall in that category. Okay, um, then you, you do them now. Sure. Uh, the they all they're all sort of like ones that resonate for sort of that core do you have hope or not and Hmm. and whether or not you you your your heart is towards doing good in the world sort of thing so the first one is uh, when aragorn is having that conversation with legolas and he's and legolas mentions in elvish that like they're all gonna die and aragorn yells out in in common (laughs) the novel die is one of them and there's there's this Mm. moment of like his he's he's so integral to this story and to the story of middle earth like he's one of the last if not the last heirs to the throne and he's Hmm. saying like i'm throwing my allegiance in with this specific group of humans that i'm with because i value the importance of their mission uh that one made me emotional um when mary's talking to treebeard and he's like oh yeah like we've barely said anything at the end moot and like then he comes back and he says like we've decided this isn't our war and mary says but you're part of this world aren't you like this this call to like come on like you need to do what is best for this world um and then a little bit later marshall just to stop you both of these quotes that you mentioned i also remember obviously just because we've all watched these films and we know them in and out for sure, for sure but those specific lines i just feel like can hit at different time and points in history and i feel for like sure. they can just really resonate with things that we can all relate to whether it's now or world mm-hmm, events mm-hmm. 10 years ago like whenever you watch them it just really resonates exactly. with human you where our picture where, where we fit in in the human picture of like being humans together and co-living and helping one another and yeah those are really good quotes and yeah. sorry i wanted to yeah, jump I just in got there. two more the the one is uh when when theoden has essentially lost hope he thinks that rohan is is gonna go down helm's deep is failing and and mm-hmm. he says what can man do against such reckless hate and this mm-hmm. was specifically for me one that hit in a different way than it ever has before with all of the political things that are going on and wars going on in our current world that just like really hit me in a different way and that one also really made me emotional but the biggest one the one i like really teared up for a lot this this time around and i mean probably every single time i've watched the two towers is uh when frodo and sam are having the conversation Hmm. sam's just saved frodo from the nazgul and he's been so um, taken over by the ring in that moment that he doesn't even notice Sam and he's like what like why are we doing this like mm-hmm. how how are we going to ever succeed with this and 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 Sam says like there's something good in this world Mr. Frodo and it's worth fighting for right mm-hmm. that's that's what they're that's what they're searching for that's what they're going that's the hope they have and that was just has always been an important line to me but was definitely mm-hmm. the the most impactful line for me this this time around. 
is if we've watched these, like, we were of the age where we all watched these when we were far younger, and now as we're watching them as adults, like, just a line that just was so hollow, but now resonates so much as what, like, what can you do against such hopelessness, or in this case, such reckless hate? Like, it's such a mm-hmm. impactful, impactful line. And you're right, it's, uh, I guess it probably comes after he says this, but Sam essentially answers that question of, yeah, we, we, mm. we, this is what we worth. This is worth fighting for, and we're, we have something mm-hmm. worth fighting for, and that's what gives you strength. Yeah, yeah, that there's some good in the world. There's whatever good there is, it's worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Good quotes. Well, my question will then be to wrap this up: Is this truly a perfect film or a perfect series? And is this the best chapter of the film? But I feel like we've let the cat out of the bag a few times mm-hmm. here. <sighs> I'll go. It's not a perfect film. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, it's not the best in the series. Here, here. Uh, um, uh, boo. But it's not a bad movie. It's not a movie no, I dislike. Sure. sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's right. What about you, Marshall? Ne- near perfect. It is not perfect. Okay. Um, I I mean we I feel like we spent more time talking about the negatives of this film than the positives. But I'd mm-hmm. say overall, the reason we're bringing those little things up is because the rest of the film is just so friggin' great. Um, yeah. 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 I for for me personally, my my preference is Fellowship, then Two Towers, then Return of the King. Mm. It's not always been that that order but that's how it currently is for me um and it's for a lot of the reasons that i mentioned about uh the two towers Mm. i will say i forgot to piggyback on your comment on this and then i'll give my answer here i've never considered i've always considered that yes these films have aged well in the 20 years but you made the point and you foresee them still continuing to age well and i've never considered that and i completely agree like there's nothing outlandish that i go ooh, you know politically this might not age well or that might not age well or visually this might not do this or story-wise this Mm -hmm. is a little mundane like yeah i this thing has legs like at least the first two do at least the first two i think return of the king that's the one i've noticed a lot of cgi that Oh, okay. But it's because it's. I think it'll get worse as we. And it's very battle heavy and like effects. Maybe that's why. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, my answer to this I did not like Frodo as much in Return of the King. I found him whiny and complainy. There's way more Frodo conflict in this film, which is good, more than in Fellowship. And to me, it's fine because it's not to the point of annoyance. So, this is. Mm -hmm. that's, That's a good in my books. Yeah, it is balanced. Yeah. Uh, in this film there are some elements that are perfect um, at times there are things that don't hit me as much but when I analyze them or pick them with a fine tooth comb I don't know if it's that they're not good it's just that when you've seen something dozens of times maybe it doesn't hit as much as it once did um, so is it perfect maybe is it incredible <laughs> but bumped up with nostalgia in my mind maybe but it's quite honestly the, for me the best chapter of the trilogy and it goes Two Towers, Fellowship, and Return of the King. And again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. This specific chapter's perfect. 
and the sum of the parts are greater than the individual and so as a one big long story it is also a perfect perfect story which i think leaves us one with one last thing to do and that would be to score this puppy scale of zero to ten sir how do you rate it this is a nine out of ten for me okay for a long time lord of the rings i would just say i consider them one film it's a 10 out of 10 and it's my favorite film of all time Mm -hmm. and in the past mm, three or four years i've started being willing like i said to to notice the things that i don't like about the films and Mm -hmm. as i've done that i've realized that the gap between the fellowship and the two tower has been growing for me and it left the 10 out of 10s for me a little bit ago and Mm. it uh it has now officially left my top 25 as well so it's slowly being replaced by other films i enjoy more oh wow okay nine out of ten near perfect but not perfect definitively not perfect okay well i'll go next my on my scale obviously this is it's the best it's worth seeing in theaters obviously (laughs) no question uh, and I usually call this my skill, but because it was Marshall's scale and Marshall is joining, joining us for <laughs> nostalgic purposes, I will say on Marshall's scale, which is a traditional zero out of ten, this does something that I have, it has something in common with two other films on my top 25 list. This is one of the three films I have given a 10 out of 10. Wow. Three films. Mm-hmm. And that is what I give this. What do you give this film? I give it a seven out of ten. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the lowest that'll be my lowest score. Because you're in the eight ish range for the other no, eight, nine eight, eight something. Point, eight point six for um fellowship. fellowship. And don't and don't give away my sorry. My, Return of the King was to be decided. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Have you even seen it? <laughs> uh, planning on it. Yeah. Okay, so seven. That's still respectable. I'm a little hurt by it. I will dream and have good, but not great. Tears. Yeah, good, not but not great. Okay. Well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and we all have different opinions. Man. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you guys. Is the question, would you have killed Wormtongue? No. Okay. Would you have? Would I have like, killed Wormtongue? No, like let- because too much death has gone on under his rule. Why, but why like, add more? A heck of a lot more death comes as the result of him leaving, so... Oh, come <laughs> on. He's just, he's just a pawn. Saruman. Sharky's the wrong guy. He's the ringleader. No, sure. I, I'm, I'm curious if you guys could choose to live in any part of Middle Earth. Where would you live? Ooh, we. Oh, easy, hands down. I know Brady's answer, and it's Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's> just, <laughs> the Iron Hills, no. my people. Yeah. Um, I kind of alluded to this in an upcoming episode. Um, Lols. I think I would pick Rohan. Yeah, I don't dislike it like you guys. I think just the Norse element to it 
the rustic element, the companionship with horses, how it's not as stake. Like it's but not anywhere as- in Middle Earth. You're choosing Rohan. Oh, actually, sorry. Screw that. No. Yeah. 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 What are you <laughs> sorry. talking about? It was recently. I mean, I pick Rohan over Gondor. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, recently biased. Like Rivendell. Rivendell. One hundred and twenty percent Rivendell. Rivendell. Yeah. Rivendell. Big time. I'm uh, hands down the Shire. Knew that. Called hands it. down. Yeah. Um, just because life is so like priorities. I've, I've always talked. I've always talked about like I want to go to Ireland, and mm-hmm. but I don't want to just like I don't want to go to Dublin or any of these big cities. I want to go to like cobblestone walls yep. and potato fields and i want to go <laughs> like the shire is just so especially after like the destruction of the ring and stuff like that mm-hmm. there's just no there's no worries mm-hmm. there's nothing unless, unless we're talking about the books yeah right okay well but <laughs> but I, after that's dealt with after that's dealt with mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah after we rebuild from Zephyr. But, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, but I, I, it's just like your your job, if you live in Hobbiton, mm-hmm. is to drink beer, eat food, and get fat. And, <laughs> and maybe do some gardening. Smoke some pipe weed and do a little gardening. <laughs> right. And like, and, and it just and seems give, like such a merry existence. Mm-hmm. Give gifts to your friends on your birthday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Marshall- I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. <laughs> so good, it's Proud so foot. good. Have feet, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Marshall, uh, for me, it's Bree. I, I I've oh, gone, yeah, I've grown to really love. Oh, it did. He did yeah. very briefly. Yeah, no. Bree has become my favorite place because it's so close to. Mm. Yeah, you could come visit. Everything that goes on <laughs> in the Shire. But right. it mentions, especially in, in in the books, how it's kind of like a passageway for a lot of travelers. So you see yeah. orcs there. You see elves there. Oh, yeah, you see you the rangers there. So there, you hear the news of the world of Middle-earth there. Um, and there's this like interesting mix of the, the tall people and the little people together. Where right. it's just... It's not so one raced yeah. the way a, melting, a lot of the other places are. A melding pot, if you will. And plus, mm-hmm. it's it's not entirely out of the question to go have and a campfire. And it's always raining, apparently. Top. Yeah, apparently. I'm, apparently. I'm totally down for that. And some guy's always gnawing on a carrot on the street. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Oh, Correct. speaking of, did, do you guys like uh, his cameo in this movie? I don't know if I yeah. know this. I'm sure I do. The spear guy throwing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think his. I think the cameo in Fellowship is the best one. Yes. Um, it's definitely but, the most unique. Yeah. 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 But I al- I also noticed this time when Aragorn's giving that speech about I will die. I'll die as one of them. Mm-hmm. Behind him are a couple of the the guys you see in all of the documentaries. The one guy I don't remember his name, but the other was Alan Lee, one of the oh, uh, conceptual artists. directors, right? Uh, ah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never He's noticed in the background. that. I'll have to take a yeah. look at that. All right, sir, wrap yeah, this up great. for us. All right. Well, thank you, Marshall, for joining us. As My pleasure. Always, Thanks for having me. Very welcome. Our pleasure. Um, thank you for listening, for the listener. Um, check out the upcoming Return of the King episode coming out shortly. 
check out the fellowship episode even though it's not as good as two towers because two towers is the best check out both the other episodes <laughs> um <Lols>. check, out <laughs> check out our socials below like rafflecopter <laughs> check out the socials below like follow subscribe leave us a like and a comment we love hearing from you check out our patreon page merchandise page help support and grow the show Thank you to all our patrons for supporting us. And um, until next time, um, what's a good Lord of the Rings? Wait, 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 wait. Before you end, I'm I'm guessing you guys didn't do the why you watch this week because you're going to throw all of the films together. But can I tell you what I watched this week? Sure. Because I haven't, you know, send you guys an audio clip or anything lately. Yeah. So this actually has an interesting connection with this film. This week, I watched twice in theaters David Cronenberg's new film, Crimes of the Future, which features Viggo Mortensen and the soundtrack is by Howard Shore. Ooh, very interesting. What did you give it out of 10? Uh, It's an eight. Oh, eight out of 10. So respectable. Yeah. Yeah, it's not for anyone. It's uh, okay. it's definitely uh, not for the squeamish. Though, Pete, you, you're in the medical field. Maybe you might not be as um, put off by surgery, which is definitely one of the elements that's in this film. But uh, okay. Okay. I thought it was a good film. Interesting yeah. questions. Good sci-fi. How, how the hell do you do the job that you do? <laughs> what do you mean? Maybe this will be your new favorite film. You see, like, guts and stuff. I So do people in Pelennor Fields. Yeah, but but then we watch, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, we're going to watch a movie with guts. And you're like, oh. It's different. Like, if it's Saw, it's not consensual. Like, someone's getting tortured and maimed. and Not that we've this reviewed is, Saw, but. Not yet. No, this no, has <laughs> some consensual guts in it. Consensual guts. <laughs> That was almost, that was the, the runner-up we were going to name our podcast. <laughs> Marshall, anything else that you saw recently, or is that is that the main one you wanted to tie in? That's the main one. I, oh, actually, I also watched for the first time mm-hmm. so that I could listen to your review of it before coming on. Oh. I watched Scream for the first time. No way. What did you think? Yes. I was getting caught up on a, a couple of your most recent films, and, and that's one of the ones that I hadn't seen, in order, and I did want to watch it before I listened to the review, and Dude. I was pleasantly surprised. I, yeah, I've heard right? a lot of people talk about Cabin in the Woods as being mm. that like meta horror film that's so good. I think Scream's mm. way better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it more than I thought I... Well, yeah. I was intrigued. Yeah, but yeah, I enjoyed but it's, it. It's a pleasant surprise. I plan on it continuing is. the series at some point yeah, in my life. You should. All right, wrap well, it up. I did. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll do Return of the Kings and have a second ending. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Right. Bye. Bye. Lol. <laughs> <laughs>